Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you trust Jarvis Landry against the anemic Ravens' pass defense? Will the less than 100% Zeke Elliott disappoint against Washington? Are Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both startable against the Bears? We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, B.J. Rudell, PFN Fantasy Football Director. And with me, as always, is PFN Fantasy Analyst Tommy Garrett. Joining us today, PFN Fantasy Analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Before we jump in with start sits for week 14, uh, Demarius Thomas's untimely passing, uh, shocking uh, uh, so many around the country and the world. Um, uh, just some uh, any thoughts that you have, Tommy or Katz, you want to share of a, a favorite memory of DT or anything that jumps out at you in terms of his legacy? This one, like, there's ones that surprise you kind of catch off guard because I mean, no one, like, we never knew anything was going on. Apparently, some people knew he was dealing with some seizures, but it's uh, for me, it's I'm most people know most, uh, people around here know I'm a Steelers fan, and so for me, I was on the opposite side of one of his most iconic plays and one of the most iconic plays we've seen in the last you know decade or so when you know him and Tim Tebow connected in the wild card around the playoffs and they burned Ike Taylor to knock the Steelers out. Uh, for me, that's one of those plays like I'll never forget where I was. I was with my family, it was with a girl I was dating at the time, and it was yeah, it's that was the electric the the side of the game that he brought that just. You couldn't account for it. Anytime he was on the field, he was just one of the best players out there. And it's it's just sad. It's heartbreaking for everyone involved, friends, family, former teammates, organization. That's, you know, you know, thoughts and prayers to Demarius Thomas's family and loved ones and all. It's just what they uh, got to be a very difficult time right now. Yeah, really sad to hear about it. Demarius Thomas was such a key part of like the the brightest parts of my memories of fantasy. And when I really started to get into the like the nuts and bolts of it and, and learning about it, and that's when Demarius really had his rise coinciding with the signing of Peyton Manning in 2012. His yeah. run from 2012 to, to 2016 is, is just, it's one of the best we've had in the past decade. It was on par with Calvin Johnson, with Julio Jones, with AJ Green, and he was a perennial top five receiver. And man, I mean, the guy was just in the NFL two years ago. Devastating to think about. Uh, Thoughts go out to, to Demarius and his entire family and every everyone that everyone involved with anything to do with him. Just just terrible news. Um, and and I'll just say, well said, uh, Tommy Katz. And and I'll just say, I mean, we you know we we all have uh, um, uh, emotional connections with players, don't we? As as yeah. uh, fantasy managers, as uh, fans of the NFL, um, uh, uh, they don't have it with us because we're just the fans. They have it with us in a general sense. We have it with them sometimes on a, on a far more personal level than sometimes we give credit for. 
players are actually really starting to come around and kind of embrace fantasy football more. You see guys like, you know, Austin Eckler really kind of like diving into it, but then you all see the other guys, you know, like Josh Jacobs were kind of against it. And it's, I think as a push and pull, the fantasy community itself can be fairly toxic sometimes, especially given social media and how easily you can kind of get a hold of someone in a, a virtual way like this. So it's, you know, it's, it's nice to see it more, accessible and more um recognized by the players in the in the nfl but it's you know there's always that there's that fine line well uh we're gonna jump in with uh with start sits these are uh uh, some some pressure point players uh, that we like to talk about on our end of the week podcast these are the guys that we know a lot of you because we hear from a lot of you are wondering do i start this person so we are trying to respond to the pressures that you feel that we feel as well as fantasy managers and try to give you the best analysis we can. We're starting with the Browns and Ravens, an incredible rivalry. Tommy, the Browns, Jarvis Landry, finally a big day against yep. the Ravens before Cleveland's bye week. Now he gets the Ravens again. Uh, he was, uh, you know, we, we talk about Demarius Thomas. Jarvis Landry was a, a top 16, top 18 receiver for five straight years. Um, and then last year injured, and the Browns passing game, not the same. Can fantasy managers trust him going into yeah, this it's game? Yeah, it's fun. You know, Landry is that guy, like, we would always rank, okay, you know, low end. Like, he's like a mid-wide receiver three. And guaranteed, every single year, he outproduces ADP. Uh, he was one of the guys you always banked on. It's, it's one of those weird times where we never really see this in the NFL where a team literally plays someone in back-to-back games. Like, granted, the, the, the uh, Browns had a bye week in between, but they've essentially spent three weeks now doing game plans specifically for the Baltimore Ravens. And like, this is a Ravens team that's now even more beat up after losing Marlon Humphrey for a chest injury for the entire season. Uh, in the last game, Jarvis Landry, six receptions on 10 targets, 111 yards. It was his best game in terms of uh, production on the field, scored 15 and a half fantasy points. It's the difference is now, you know, you have the full, the complement of the backfield with Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt back there. So it's, I don't think that was probably an outlier game. Um, but I think if you're getting somewhere in like, you know, the, the six for 50 kind of range, I think he can put up probably double digit fantasy points. Um, I don't think he's going to have the same output. He had that game. Uh, Cause especially when it seems like you're not going to get the amount of touchdowns you're probably hoping for with someone with this kind of volume uh, as a, you know, a mid, like a, a higher end wide receiver three, I can absolutely see it as like a flex play. Um, but I don't think he brings a ton of upside to the Browns offense. Very good. I think he, he or Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper is the number two receiver on that team kind of by default. I, I can see one of those two having a really good game um, and a must win for Cleveland at home. Cats, uh, uh, let's jump to you with the Ravens. Rashad Bateman, let's say there's a fantasy manager out there. I know there's many who need uh, 12 or more points from Rashad Bateman. Is that very doable or not very doable this weekend? We discussed Bateman earlier this week as a drop candidate. He has a 45% snap share the past two games. From weeks 10 through 13, his target count has dropped in each consecutive week from 8 to 6 to 4 to 1. Bateman has scored over 12 fantasy points just once all season. I love the talent, but he belongs nowhere near fantasy lineups. Like when you're getting out-snapped and out-targeted by Devin Duvernay and Sammy Watkins, that's probably a good sign that his guy isn't worth having on your roster. Yeah, I I love him. Yeah, I love Bateman too, but for fantasy, we need the guys that are on the field getting targets, and he's doing neither right now. Okay, jump into the Titans and Jaguars, Cats, Titans. Uh, who do you prefer, Dontrell Hilliard or Dante Foreman, or do you prefer neither uh, in terms of your confidence level starting them this week? Well, between those two, I would prefer Foreman, even though I like the matchup in general, because I'm not exactly sure what role Dontrell Hilliard will have this week. Jeremy McNichols has cleared the concussion protocol. He is going to play, and 
I'd be surprised if he didn't get his job back. He's been with the team for a couple of years, and he was the guy in that role. He excelled in that role. Hilliard was just filling in. They signed him a few weeks ago. I think Nichols gets his job back, but Foreman maintains the early down back role. The Jaguars, they allow the 14th most fantasy points to running backs. It's not the most favorable of matchups, but I like the fact that the Titans are double-digit favorites, positive game script that could mean easily 18 to 20 carries for Foreman. But what exactly is Hill you're going to do? We don't know. And because of that, you can't really start him. And everyone keep an eye on Julio Jones, who as of this recording uh, does not have uh, an injury designation. He, he's, um, he could return this weekend. Uh, he was on pace last year over a 16-game season. He only played nine, but he was on pace for about 1,380 receiving yards. I think the uh, uh, the rumors of his uh, fantasy demise are uh, exaggerated uh, to badly uh, botch a Mark Twain quote. And just to say that uh, I will be fascinated to see what Julio Jones does in that game even more uh, than Dante Foreman in that backfield, and we'll see what happens. Uh, the Jaguars, James Robinson, Tommy, mm-hmm. playing at less than 100%, clearly – couldn't get anything going against the Rams. Are you comfortable starting him as, let's say, a top 18 running back against Tennessee? I actually have him sitting just outside of that right now. Uh, part of that is due to the injury because we've seen him. You know, he wasn't practicing some part this week, uh, dealing the heel. Uh, another part of this, I just don't trust Urban Meyer. Uh, when you're sitting here come out saying that it's not my job to manage who comes in and out of the game, like that's something the head coach should be relatively aware of. Um, clearly you did it when you bench James Robinson for a fumble with granted, Hey, Aaron Donald kind of causes fumbles. Uh, and then you end up putting uh, Carlos aside. This is an offense that isn't scoring the ball right now. They're having a hard time moving and you end up going up against the Tennessee Titans defense that right now ranks fifth, uh, fifth in the NFL in terms of fantasy points allowed to the position at 20 and a half. Uh, I have a hard time right now trusting James Robinson. If you got a, as a back end uh, running back too, fine. He still is in startable territory, uh, but I would not be surprised if he doesn't crack the top 18 in, in uh, when the week's over. Great. Another uh, big rivalry, Chiefs-Raiders. Uh, similar question, Tommy, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Would you call him a top 14 running back? Is he one of those? You don't even think about it. I'm starting him. Yeah, I actually have him coming in right now as my running back 16 on the week, although I can easily see him going higher just based on the matchup. Las Vegas right now, I mean, they're they're allowing the uh, third most fantasy points to the position. So long as Darrell Williams doesn't get too involved, especially in the passing game, like Clyde Zolaire has actually looked somewhat efficient these past few games. If he can continue that and with his offense kind of looking more and more like the Kansas City Chiefs that we were used to, uh, although Patrick Mahomes is still turning the ball over, different story. Um, but at least Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think, gives us a little bit of a floor. Granted, it's not the the high-end upside play we were all kind of hoping he would be when he got drafted last year. Um, but as a, a solid RB2, yeah, absolutely. You fire him in. And I'll jump in with the Chiefs. All of you who do DFS, keep in mind Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, both bombed last week. Um, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen again. If you're mm-hmm. doing DFS, you go with these two amazing players rebounding against the Raiders, those are very good bets to make. And Clyde The Chiefs are only going to win when they target those players. Patrick Mahomes knows that. Andy Reid knows that. That's the only way you're going to go. That's right. So so expect corrections. Uh, Cats with the Raiders. uh, This summer, I pushed five undervalued quarterbacks to my readers. Three have hit. One's been so-so. One has been awful. I will not say who the awful one was. Uh, But one of my big hits was Derek Carr. He was a preseason 24th ranked quarterback. Uh, he's, I had him around, uh, 17, I think 16, 17. He's currently the QB 14. Is he a top 12 against the chiefs? Carr was one of my top stars last week. And that was a big miss. Um, that was a great call by you in general, as he has been mostly of value for fantasy managers, but not recently. 
since week nine, Carr is averaging just 14.9 fantasy points per game. He's been the QB 19 amongst quarterbacks who have started at least three games since then. You would have been better off starting guys like Andy Dalton or Trevor Simeon during that time. With all that being said, the Chiefs allow the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Raiders are heavy underdogs, which should mean negative game script. Carr is fourth in the NFL in pass attempts. So I'm going back to the well on Carr one more time. But if I'm wrong this week, I'm out. <laughs> Spoken like a true Cats. Um, Jets versus Saints, Cats. Uh, Elijah Moore dealing with a quad injury. If he sits, how confident are you about Jamison Crowder? I would expect Crowder to start in two receiver sets, uh, opposite most likely Keelan Cole. Both have had bouts of relevance in the past. I've always liked Cole as a talent, uh, but Crowder is the one who intrigues me more this week. The Saints are vulnerable to the slot. They're a pass funnel defense. They allow the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers, but the fewest to running backs. And Tevin Coleman is out. The Jets should be trailing. The Jets should have to throw. And if they fall behind quickly, Crowder has a chance to rack up 10-plus targets in this one. I think Crowder is a sneaky wide receiver three play in PPR leagues. I really like that bold pick uh, and well thought out. Cats, uh, the Saints, Tommy, during Taysom Hill's four starts last season, Alvin Kamara averaged uh, two and a half catches per game. I think he had one big one, but then he was pretty muted in the other three. So it's hard to know what are the realistic expectations with Kamara returning this week and Taysom Hill at quarterback. Uh, Is his ceiling capped because of Hill? I think it's going to be capped just in terms of this, the targets, but I think he can actually compensate for that just given the opponent. The New York Jets, like over the past four weeks, they are fifth. They're allowing the fifth most fantasy points on the ground to uh, to running back. So it's I think he can make that up just strictly based off volume. He is always going to lose a little bit because no one's targeting the running backs like Drew Brees did. I mean, with how potent he was in this offense, but this offense is not going to move without Alvin Kamara. Like you take away Derrick Henry out of Derrick Henry out of the NFL, like. I don't know if there's another player on offense that probably means as much to their team right now than Alvin Kamara does for the Saints. So they're going to have to try to utilize him. I think it's a great matchup. I really like him this week. I think he's going to be a, a perfectly fine RB1. Like He's a must-start play. Final week of the playoffs, a uh, final week of the regular season for a lot of fantasy managers. Don't get too cute and venture starters. Alvin Kamara has to be in your lineups this week. Great. Another, uh, I shouldn't even say another big rivalry, the big rivalry, uh, Washington against the Cowboys. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I keep bringing him up. I keep bringing him up for a reason. Um, I'm not going to stop harping on him, Uh, not him as a player, but him as a fantasy asset. Um, He's one of five top 30 fantasy wideouts with a catch rate below 60%, um, uh, nine fantasy points or less in five of his last eight games. I get the fact you've you've told me in recent podasts, you you know what his ceiling is. Of course, you got to roll him out there. But seriously, do you trust him as, let's say, a top 30 receiver this week? I've got him inside the top 30, but it's Terry McLaurin is no longer a guy where like, okay, you automatically you plug him in and go like we've seen enough now where it's like, okay, there's going to be a little bit of trepidation when you're firing him in there. Um, Even last week did not have a great game. Uh, And it's like I said, it's kind of continuing this little pace around for as well as Taylor Heineke has been playing like. It's just not been working out for uh, Terry McLaurin. Like, I'm going to continue to probably roll him out there, but I'm no longer expecting wide receiver one production. Granted, because which is what's amazing about it, because you know he's you know top five in target share. He's one of the top uh, couple players in air yards and air yard percentage for what they equal for their team. Like, there's no one else on this team that is as valuable as Terry McLaurin, and especially when you have a game like, you know, J.D. McKissick is going to be out. Those should be extra targets that are going towards him. But at the same time, you know, you're getting back a um, 
Ricky Seals Jones. You've got Curtis Samuel slowly working his way back. So they're starting to get some other options. And right now, Terry McLaurin is way closer to a lower end wide receiver, too, than he is right now to being a top 10, how we viewed him at the beginning of the season. Um, and Cats, Cowboys, Zeke Elliott. Uh, at, the, at this recording, we don't know what Tony Pollard's status is going to be. Uh, but with or without him, uh, are, are, are you encouraging managers to start Zeke Elliott, let's say, as a top 24 running back? I really want to say no, because I've been ragging on Zeke for the better part of two years now. But are we actually expecting Tony Pollard to play and play well with a torn plantar fascia? I'm no doctor, but that feels like something he can't play through. He didn't practice at all this week. He is listed as questionable. We have seen a couple players this season not practice all week and still play, which is something that just never happened prior to this year. But it's still extremely rare. I'm not expecting Pollard to play. Um, the football team allows the 14th fewest fantasy points to running backs. It's an average matchup. Prior to last week, Zeke had scored at least 11 fantasy points in every game since week two. He claims his knee continues to get better. Uh, Washington may be a, a team vulnerable through the air, but if the Cowboys get in close, they're going to give it to Zeke. There are so many injuries at the running back position. I think it's just impossible to keep Zeke out of your lineup as, as an RB2, if not an RB1. If Pollard does sit, I love Dalton Schultz in this game. I don't think that's a bold take. I mean, Dalton Schultz is pretty much a weekly starter, but I really like him. Uh, to your point, Katz, I don't know that they're, I don't know that they're going to go to Zeke uh, close to the uh, goal line, and they might just use what they have, which is uh, Dak can run it in or those quick hits to someone like Schultz. Um, I think Schultz could be lethal. I think he's a two TD threat uh, in this game. Uh, Panthers versus Falcons, another big rivalry game. But let's face it, not the same kind of rivalry that we've seen in years past. These are two teams that are struggling for relevancy. Uh, with the Panthers, Cats, do you trust Chuba Hubbard dominating backfield touches? Or is he a potential bust with Amir Abdullah looming? This is a weird one because I love the matchup for all Panthers. The Falcons allow the fifth most fantasy points to running backs. Um, Christian McCaffrey was out during these teams prior meeting in week eight. Hubbard played 55% of the snaps in that game, but he carried the ball 24 times for 84 yards and a touchdown. But I think things are different this time around. I think we're going to get a lot more Amir Abdullah. He has, his, he's been trending upward the past couple weeks, and specifically in a passing, uh, passing down role. The good news is Hubbard should get the goal line carries, at least if Cam Newton is not taking them all. Um, hopefully Newton can complete passes to his team this week and they can move the ball. Uh, but either way, I, I don't expect Hubbard to dominate this backfield by any stretch, but I do think he's a solid RB3 flex play. Great. Thank you, Katz. Tommy, I was going to ask you if Russell Gage is a top 28 receiver this week. I'm going to ask you instead if he's a top 26 receiver. Does that make <laughs> you a little more anxious? I actually, in my wide receiver starts that article, I actually did have Gage listed as a start for me this week, uh, coming in as, like a, as a wide receiver three. Um, Grant, last week I believe was an outlier, catching 11 for 130. Um, but if we look back over his last couple weeks, you know, he scored 12 or more points in four of his last seven, including 18 plus against Jacksonville and Tampa Bay. Uh, the last time these two teams matched up, he was actually completely blanked, didn't even have a target. Um, so I think it'll be curious to see how things kind of work out in this game. Uh, granted, Caroline just surrendered a massive game to Jalen Waddle, uh, nine for 137 and a touchdown. So I think he's going to continue to see some volume as the Atlanta Falcons' top uh, wide receiver right now on the perimeter. I think he could have a decent game. Like I said, I do have him as a start for me this week, but I think we kind of saw the the high watermark last week. Very good. And uh, Texans Seahawks uh, battle between two teams: one uh, that we knew would uh, not be very good, and the other, shockingly, not very good. Tommy, starting with you in the. 
Texans. Will any Texan get double digit fantasy points against the Seahawks? <laughs> I'm going to include the quarterback in this. I'm going to include Davis Mills. Please, honestly, that, that was intentional. So. Believe me. Yeah. Like, I don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, if I would give a, the, the nod to anyone, it might be Brandon Cooks, but I'm actually sitting Brandon Cooks this week. Uh, for as much as he is the, the Texans offense, he has 80% of the, I'm sorry, he has 40.08% of the air yards. Uh, he's got 24.7% of the targets and 31.2% of the receiving yards. Like, the only other player on the Houston Texans offense that has multiple touchdowns is Brevin Jordan. No one else on this team has any. Rex Burkhead has the last touchdown for this team uh, in terms of running backs. Like the running backs only have five touchdowns on the entire season. Uh, so for me on an offense, it's probably not going to score very many points. Like I'll give the nod to Brandon cooks on a possibility of it, but just getting you double digit points that doesn't cut it right now when we're trying to make the playoffs. Very good, Tommy and uh cats, the Seahawks, some fantasy managers listening right now have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, um, assuming Metcalf is okay. I know he's missed uh, a couple practices. I don't know, admittedly, uh, at this Friday afternoon, his status uh, uh, for today's practice. So feel free to jump in if you have heard. But would you stack them both? If you have both those guys, would you stack them to get, you know, at least 25 points realistically? Or is that too optimistic in this offense? I'm not sure many people have them both. Uh, Metcalf certainly got a bit of the squeaky wheel treatment last week, but he still managed just 60 yards on five receptions, eight total targets. That's not what you spent a second-round pick on. Metcalf has really struggled since the Seahawks buy, and surprisingly, Lockett has been the one that's been consistent the past three weeks. 15.5, 12.6, 19.8 PPR fantasy points. The problem is we know Pete Carroll is the is leading the charge on team established the run, and the Seahawks are heavy favorites in this one. I'm afraid there may not be much volume for Metcalf or Lockett this week, so you're relying on possibly a big player too. 25 points seems like an awfully low over-under to set on these two combined, but I actually think I'd take the under this week. Nevertheless, I don't know how you can bench either of these guys. Imagine wanting to establish a run when you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lock, and Russell Wilson, and your top running backs. I mean, it's Adrian Peterson, Alex Collins, Travis Homer, and Rashad Penny, all at varying levels of health and age. Like, uh, that is it's just mind-boggling to me. And it's, it's been going on for almost a decade now, and no one does anything about oh. it. Like, I get that's now a legal state, and there might be something in his gun, but he needs to put that stuff down because this just makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Lockett was one of my favorite uh, preseason receivers inside the top 40. He had uh, uh, he was the 19th consensus. His ADP was WR19. I had him as a WR13 on the rankings I sent to, to my readers. Um, he'd been in the 20s a bunch during the summer, and I couldn't wait to draft to try to steal him. Um, and uh, I do think he'll climb up and get closer to 13 than where he is now. I think he's 21 right now, but I think Lockett finishes strong. And uh, to your point, Katz, it, it looks like Lockett, uh, it, it, surprisingly, because he's been less consistent over his career, uh, but, uh, but I think he's on the upswing as we close out the season. Um, now moving into the late games, Broncos-Lions. Uh, Broncos, Cats, there's a, there's a lot we could talk about, and the big thing that I think a lot of people's minds – we know what Javante Williams uh, can do. Uh, you all have talked about him even before we saw what he could do when uh, unleashed uh, with Melvin Gordon sideline, with Melvin Gordon uh, scheduled to return. What do we expect of this backfield? Is this still Melvin Gordon getting 10 to 14 fantasy points? And is this still Javante Williams getting 9 to 13? Or do we see a shift happening? This year has been so difficult 
when it comes to discussing running backs as like who starts and whatnot, because anyone who is a viable RB two or three kind of has a spot in your lineup most of the time. But Melvin Gordon, I think he's going to get most of his job back, whether we like it or not. Before Gordon got hurt, it was about 55-45 in his favor. I'd like to think Javante did enough to flip that, but I don't think that he completely vanquished Gordon to the point where Javante is going to see a 70% or higher snap share. The good news is the Broncos are 10-point favorites. The Lions won their first game last week. The Broncos were throttled by the Chiefs. This is a perfect like double reverse spot where the Broncos bounce back and, and the Lions have a letdown. I think we can get a lot of running from the Broncos and the Lions allow the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. I think you can start them both this week. Do you not enjoy nice things? Like, why do you have to sit here and try to say the Melvin Gordon's come back and take his whole job? Like, can you not rain on my party? Like, I was really enjoying myself. I mean, I, I need Javante Williams to have another smash week. So I'm upset that Vic Fangio is Oh, so you're doing the reverse jinx. That's what I got to do. I got to do everything I can to make sure that Javante performs well for my fantasy team because he is the one that needs to succeed. Not just a hat rack, my friend. <laughs> um, we're going to jump right now to the Lions. We just got a word from our producer that TJ Hawkinson is out for Detroit. Uh, Jamal Williams, we heard right before this podcast, plays on the COVID list. Uh, that makes my question uh, possibly even easier, uh, which is really... Uh, we have heard that Jared Goff is going to be airing it out or they want Jared Goff to air it out a bit more uh, with nothing to lose uh, this season. Uh, if there's any lion that you could trust, and I was going to say except Hawkinson, but that doesn't apply. Uh, anymore. Who would who would you start if anyone? Is it Josh Reynolds? Is it, is it Amon Ross St. Brown? Is it one of the running backs? Oh, God. We get that news about TJ Hawkinson. It's basically, hey, just go ahead and just rip up all the notes you had and thoughts about this game. Just throw them out the window. Um, if I'm going to take a shot on someone, I think Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown, they're probably going to come in back-to-back in my rankings. Amon Ross St. Brown had the game-winning touchdown, so it's kind of nice to see him kind of you know take that step forward. Josh Reynolds has seen a decent target share, at least, when he's, since he's kind of rejoined this team. Uh, it's, I don't feel good about any of them. I think they're all going to be back-end wide receiver fours. Uh, like I said, it's a game where we expect Denver to probably dominate the time of possession. Um, and when you're going to take the air out of the ball, like they might have to try to come back to a certain extent. But given the the defense that the, the Denver Broncos have with someone like, you know, Patrick Sand, he's going to absolutely take away someone. Uh, you've got one of the best safety duos in the NFL with this team. So it's I don't love any of these Lions wide receivers. Like if you want to take a shot on someone, Reynolds or Amon or St. Brown, I get it. Flip a coin. That's probably what I'm going to do in my rankings. Uh, but I don't feel good about any of them outside of anything higher than like a low-end wide receiver four. The coin flip is a very underappreciated fantasy analyst tool. Uh, I literally it. have a decision-maker coin in my pocket every single day. Not a joke. That I is. need to start incorporating that into my decisions because when I do them myself, they don't work out as well. Yeah. Um, I asked my four-year-old. Um, Tommy, well, uh, switching, switching to the Chargers. <laughs> um uh, Keenan Allen, Tommy buzzed me about 20 minutes ago during the podcast. Uh, he bugged me uh, privately to say Keenan Allen is out, which bothers me because I have Keenan Allen. And I don't think he was doing it out of spite. I think he was trying to just inform me uh, as an amazing analyst, uh, but it really did hurt. And so now the question is with the Chargers, uh, how much do we trust Mike Williams? Of course, you know how I feel about Mike Williams because we talked about him last week. But more yeah. to the point, do we trust Jalen Guyton as a streamer? Uh, the downside with Williams is like, you know, he started off the season hot and all of a sudden he's completely backed off. Like over the, from week six to week four, from week six through week 10, he was only averaging like 4.7 fantasy points. Like since week 11, it's gone up to 12 and a half. Um, he's had a decent, he had a decent game against the Bengals, but everyone on that team had a good game against the Bengals. They put up like 42 points in that game. 
Uh, with Mike, if assuming that Mike Williams plays, we know Keenan Williams out. Like Mike Williams has a chance to be, you know, that high-end wide receiver too, given the volume that he could see in this one. Uh, the question is, is he even going to come off the COVID list? Like we have no idea. Um, if he doesn't, then I think Jalen Guyton makes a lot of sense as a a, a streamer option. He'll be a sneaky play. I think the other one to look at would be someone like you know Josh Palmer uh, out of Tennessee, a very versatile running, uh, versatile wide receiver. Um, I can see someone like you know even going a little deeper, like someone like a Donald Parham. Like they know he can have that versatile asset to him. They can actually even split him out a little bit. Six foot eight. You can't teach that kind of size. We all know that that uh, that saying. Little XFL star. So. I, I think Williams would absolutely come in at number one. If he is out, then I'll probably take a shot on Jalen Guyton uh, and hoping that he's going to get the volume on this team. And I wonder if there's going to be some uh, people who psych themselves out of uh, out of starting Justin Herbert because Keenan Allen is out uh, with Austin Eckler uh, hobbled. I think it's an ankle injury. I wonder if we see Herbert's already a very mobile uh, quarterback. Yes. I wonder if we see Herbert uh, rush for 40 plus yards. I wonder if he's got some upside that we're not really appreciating because this is uh, an offense that is damaged by injuries uh, and Herbert still has the weapons to produce. Including the nice the- thing about it is it's a great matchup because the Giants are, they're allowing the fourth most fancy points to wide receivers in the last four weeks. So even if it is, you know, we do get guidance, at least they're going to be in a more advantageous matchup rather than going up against one of the better defenses. Great. And uh, we have seven players left. Kat, Saquon Barkley. Uh, what do you think? Do you trust him as, uh, I was going to say, you know, top 30, let's say top 26. Do you trust him as a top 26? I like that number 26 today. Top 26 running back. Yeah, it's an well, RB2 and then a, <laughs> this is Jersey number. You're right. It's an, it's an RB2 and then uh, two more after that. Um, well, Devontae Booker was certainly better than expected last week. He had a 35% snap share and he continues to look far better than Barkley. But whenever Barkley is on the field, it, it's it's his backfield. Uh, Devontae Booker has yet to reach double-digit fantasy points in any game in which Barkley played, except for, obviously, the one where Barkley went down in the first half against the Cowboys back in Week 5. Um, I share your sentiment, BJ, that Barkley remains a risk to get shut down at some point this season, but it is not going to happen this week, uh, so Barkley remains in lineups, unfortunately. Great. Uh, tell me how you really feel. Uh, Bengals, 49ers, Joe Burrows uh, injured Pinky. Uh, we saw what he looked like throwing the ball. Against the Chargers, are there any concerns about him being, let's say, a top 14 quarterback this weekend? Top 14, meaning if you were in a 10-team league, uh, do you think twice? Are you looking elsewhere for a streaming option? BJ really likes these uh, this quarter, these ones or twos plus the two extra. <laughs> but um, I, Can I just say, I, uh, really quick, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you, Cats. For me, these are some – and feel free to write in, folks, if you disagree with this. I feel like we get these pressure point plays where it's – it's, ah, I, I think I can trust him. I think his upside is enough to get into this sphere, this WR2, this RB2. And it's those guys who are just outside that always fascinate me because I feel like those are the guys who, if they fulfill their potential, you've nailed it. But if they fall short, you bomb. And that's that's the, you know, the, their floors are usually lower than some of these other guys. So go ahead, Cats, jump in. Now, the Bengals really need this game. Uh, Burrow did some throwing at practice on Thursday. Uh, and apparently on Friday, he was doing everything. He made all the throws. He's got a dislocated right pinky. I, I really don't think it's going to hamper him that much. I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if he let a little pain in his pinky seriously impact his throwing. The 49ers allow the 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks. I think fantasy managers can start Burrow as normal or possibly even more confident in a game that they that they need to win. 
Good. Um, as someone who has hurt my pinky, I, 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 I uh, it could damage him. It could, it could harm him. I think sometimes the pain tolerance, uh, it, it gets to be tough. And we'll see what happens with that. Uh, 49ers, Tommy, backfield. Do we trust Jeff Wilson? Is he somebody who uh, uh, fantasy managers can somewhat rely on for top 26 uh, production? Because we're sticking with that number. Or are you worried about Jermichael Hasty? Are you worried about uh, Kyle Usyk? Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, for people that have not seen yet, Elijah Mitchell has been officially ruled out for this week. Uh, so they will be rolling with this backfield as of right now. Um, I think Wilson will probably end up being the primary ball carrier. But I think you'll probably end up seeing guys like, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, who I thought actually had a little bit more upside before Jeff Wilson came back. Uh, and then Jamichael Hasty. I think they're all probably going to be involved to a certain extent. Uh, Wilson will probably be the, like I said, the main one. In terms of a lot of upside, there's not a ton because, honestly, the Cincinnati Bengals have been really solid on the ground here recently. Um, we'll have to see how much um, – we'll have to get the final word on what Debo Samuel, whether he's going to play or not. They're going to reevaluate him over the weekend. We'll have to see. Because I bring that up because he has been acting as a very solid runner for this team and been getting involved kind of both in just the passing game and also in the running aspect. So if we kind of see him out as well, I think Jeff Wilson gives up in a little bit more value. Um, but it's kind of hard to start him as anything more than a – you know, a top, maybe like a top 30 running back. He's going to be right on that fringe of someone you're going to have in your flex, but he's got some upside with this offense. My opponent this week, uh, I, it's win, it, win am I, and I'm in the playoffs, lose, and I'm out of the playoffs. And uh, my opponent picked up Jeff Wilson. He's starting him over Robbie Anderson. I'm not sure whether to be happy or sad about that, given Robbie Anderson's matchup. Now you should I don't be sad about that. I have a lot of confidence in either one, personally. That's, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's uh, I'm still in that lukewarm phase. Uh, Tommy, sticking with you, Buccaneers-Bills uh, uh, looked like a much more interesting matchup a couple weeks ago. The Bills are struggling, but let's talk about yep. the Bucs. Um, uh, we we know all the main guys. There's there's five guys on this team that you start no matter what for the Bucs. I don't need to name them. The sixth one that I find interesting this week is Cameron Brait. He's been out snapping O.J. Howard in recent weeks. Uh, Brady found him in the end zone two of the last four weeks. Uh, if you don't have a TE1, are, you, are your eyes getting locked on to break with the potential to break through even against what has been a tough Bills defense? No, the thing that I think about uh, Cameron Braid, it's the thing I would bring up would be the the defense. The Bills have only allowed one receiving touchdown to, what, to tight ends this year, and we're banking on him getting that kind of outlier score to produce. So we know that tight ends have to almost have that unless you're getting eight-plus targets in a game, which is a rare thing to find. Um, when they're on this field, Gronk is always going to be the number one red zone target. I think there's probably some better streaming options that are available. You know, guys like Zach Gertz. I mean, even someone like Noah Fant, for as much as he has struggled, I actually do kind of like this matchup against Detroit. Um, you talked about it earlier, Austin Hooper. I think he kind of makes a little bit more sense in this one, too. Even Jared Cook, especially if something happens to Mike Williams inside the red zone, they know they can count on him if they don't have a main Keenan Allen. So I think there's probably some more upside plays. Uh, but look, if you're playing in DFS, he could be a sneakier DFS play on, on the edge that he gets a touchdown. Yeah, he's probably coming in at less than five thousand uh, dollars, at least in, in FanDuel or five million, whatever you know, in uh, FanDuel. And so you could. You God, could, I hope he's not uh, five million. We have five thousand. Yeah, I've got my uh, uh, all my different DFS things messed up. Uh, uh, let's go to uh, the Bills, uh, Cats. Uh, Tampa Bay's vulnerable against uh, in the passing game. Uh, pretty good against the running game, although it's hit or miss. Do you trust Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders as a starter, as a streamer this week? Manny Sanders hasn't scored over 7.1 fantasy points in a month, and Cole Beasley hasn't scored over 9.6 fantasy points in the same time frame. Uh, 
The Bucs, though, pass funnel defense, as we talked about, and the Bills don't want to run the ball even when they can. In situations where the Bills are not trailing, which is anything where the game is tied or the Bills are ahead, they throw the ball 57% of the time, which is the seventh highest rate in the NFL. I would be surprised if one of Sanders or Beasley wasn't productive this week. The problem is going to be figuring out which one. Sanders has been playing more snaps all season, but Beasley is still out there enough to be productive. I think the Bills score a bunch of points and actually win this game. Fantasy managers still can't confidently start either, but both of them are wide receiver four dart throws this week. One of them is probably going to be a wide receiver three. Very good, and uh, it's it's tough. I, I'm watching this Bills team, and I'm going, Devin Singletary still under contract next year. You know, Zach Moss, obviously, uh, for at least a couple more years. I, if they don't make this, if they don't get to the Super Bowl, I don't know how this backfield can continue to operate. I think they need a major upgrade. I, I, I'm, I know I'm not alone on that. It's not a hot take. It just, it is sad to see a team that is this good and has what appears to be a huge weakness uh, in the backfield. Um, uh, final game, another huge rivalry. Love all these rivalries in week 14. Packers, Bears, Cats. Who scores more points this week, Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon? Even before Aaron Jones sprained his MCL and missed that one game, I was I was on the shift in the Packer backfield. Jones is still probably going to outsnap Dylan. But my take on this backfield is Dylan is the lead runner and Jones is more of a passing down back. What we don't know is what the Packers are going to do with the goal line. Dylan certainly profiles better as the goal line back, but that's not how they've been used this season. It's been more Jones coming in when they get close to the end zone. If it ends up being Dylan, then he is unequivocally the more valuable asset going forward. If it's Jones, then I think this remains more 50-50. I don't know who will score more fantasy points on this particular week, but I do know that if I had to choose one Packer back for the remainder of the season, I would pick A.J. Dillon. I'll say this. You're starting both of them this week. I am, actually. In a league where I have them, I am starting both of them. Yep. Fantastic. That is, you heard it from Katz. He is living his analysis. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, uh, as some of you uh, know, including in the room, uh, I was very vocal uh, with this team earlier this season and uh, with my readers back in the summer before I joined Pro Football Network uh, that I thought A.J. Dillon was just as talented as Aaron Jones and that by the end of the season, they'd be in a timeshare. So I drafted A.J. Dillon with confidence. I passed on Aaron Jones with confidence. And when we trust our process, sometimes it doesn't work out, obviously, but when it does work out, um, we can feel good about it and, and try to learn from it and keep building on it. Uh, Tommy, you'll get the last word with the Bears. Justin Fields is back. Uh, I have seen right before this podcast started this recording that Alan Robinson could be back. Not sure if that matters, but if you don't have a top 12 quarterback, can Fields realistically get, let's say, 18 points against the Packers? There's obviously a world that that could happen. I mean, look what happened last week with Zach Wilson and Jared Goff. Uh, personally, right now, I don't. I actually have him probably outside in the uh, in the twenties for me this week. Granted, we saw some improvement with him. It's always going to be good to get back. You know, someone like Allen Robinson who's not going to carry an injury designation into the week. But at the same time, he was pretty much a shell of himself and has been, for the most part, absent uh, from the Chicago Bears offense. So I don't know how much it's actually going to help things other than potentially th uh, free things up for uh, Darnell Mooney. Uh, personally, I can't find a way to start him, especially looking at a Packers defense that has shut down some of the best quarterbacks in the, in the NFL in recent weeks. Uh, so for me, I'd probably pass on someone like uh, Justin Fields this week. Very good. Uh, really enjoyed it, guys. Uh, you are terrific. Uh, again, Tommy Garrett. 
Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Uh, he has an eight word name that I use, which is Jason Katz, better known as Katz. It's probably six words. I have no idea. I haven't counted. Uh, but anyway, uh, pleasure being with you. Pleasure being with all of you listening. We are again, Pro Football Network. You can find us at profootballnetwork.com. I'm BJ Rudell. Find us on Twitter, Twitter Spaces, Facebook, uh, newsletter, anywhere where you need content. We are there for you. Good luck this week and we'll catch you on the flip side.